0: Hello, this is Timmy Black, and welcome once again to another episode of The Lives of Contemporary Artists. Now that the, uh, now that the art world is back in in full swing, the, the meager rewards divided with puny, parsimonious favoritism are again everywhere on offer. Grants, fellowships, residencies, teaching jobs, and the ultimate prize, exhibitions, are now all up for the bidding. These are really exciting times as artists around the world are sniffing out advantages, creating new alliances, reevaluating old ones, shifting their goals, adjusting their targets, and attempting to realign the map of opportunity to their benefit. Every individual artist, what am am I saying? Every individual person, every human being now with a phone has become a 24 hour public relations company. Now more than ever, it is so important to burnish one's brand until it sparkles like like crystal. and as any graduate student will tell you, it doesn't matter what one's work actually looks like. What's important is how it's presented, how it's described. And an old friend of mine, actually, in full disclosure, a, a former girlfriend of mine, are we, are we still allowed to say girlfriend? I Maybe I should say an erstwhile petit ami. You know that's worse, actually. My my former partner. That's better, partner. Yeah, but I don't know. That makes us sound like I don't know, like partners, like Goldman Sachs or Goldwyn Mayer or Oscar Mayer. I don't know. Or, or I think we were a lot more like Sacco and Vanzetti. No, we were more like Bouvard et Pecheux. That's what we were like. Anyway, this woman that I know, that I knew that in full disclosure, in the past, for a duration that was longer than two days, but did not exceed a year, had shared intimacies in a thoroughly equal and equitable manner, each of us well above the age of consent, whereby cohabitation, though sinful, was nonetheless lawful and would be parted amicably, though not absent of the usual low-grade bitterness and heartbreak. In other words, my ex. Though to be clear, I, in turn, am her ex, what was i talking about oh yeah artistic opportunity anyway the terrific painter shira madua i spoke about her in our in our last episode is a person i know very well she's my ex She has created a consultancy company where she helps creative types, artists, and such shape their public persona in order to custom fit their self-presentations to their specific aspirations. So say you're a visual artist. She helps with documentation, grant proposals, job applications, stuff like that. But what she's really famous for, what she's really good at, is helping compose those dreaded artist statements. Now, you think an artist statement should be an easy thing, but it's not. I mean, you think you just go in and describe in a paragraph or two what you do, why you do it, but it's a lot trickier than that. I mean, there is this truism that if you want to write effectively, you should try to write the way you talk. Well. I don't think that's the best advice. I mean, have you ever been to an opening or inside an art school and actually heard real live artists talk? No, I don't think that's the best advice. The way Shira puts it, you don't want to sound too smart, but you don't want to sound too dull, too dim, too dumb. This is how she puts it. Adorning with Adorno is a no-no. Even if your work is really legitimately informed by, say, Cassier, Lacan, Saussure, well, you don't necessarily want to advertise that. What, What She recalls out the Barth, Barf conundrum. Again, she puts it like this. She said, we don't deride Derrida. We just want you to delete him. On the other hand... Shira is fully aware that you basically have about a 12-syllable grace period before you risk losing your reader, so you don't want to deliver lukewarm platitudes no matter how much genuine passion may be behind it. On the one hand, you don't want to sound like the the 10 Zillionth artist who is determined to shape the discourse of high postmodernism by addressing global s- scarcities through the lens of gender and race. You don't want to do that. You want to lighten up a bit. But on the other hand, you don't want to be the hundredth zillionth schlemel who thinks it's a clever idea to deconstruct the semiotics of kitsch by citing RuPaul, Karen Carpenter, Debbie Reynolds, and Franz Liszt. I mean, that is so pre-pandemic and the thing is it's not enough to keep up with the times you have to be a step and a half ahead so appropriating popular culture or say mentioning the word identity is a bit like i don't know like using the word pastiche maybe in the 90s it's kind of on the way out but people think it still can deliver a slight twinkle of i don't know detached insubordination but I would listen to Shira. Now, what Shira stresses in her consultation is is, is that brevity and a sense of humor may very well be the next wave. So I asked her if she'd be willing to share with my listeners a concrete example of a successful artist statement. And after making a few calls... She got permission from the artist Brema dell'Antica. Brema del Antica, who just received her second Pollock-Krasner Fellowship. And she got her to agree to read us her latest winning artist statement. All right? Here it goes. It goes like this. Hold on. Here it goes.
1: We are at an impasse. Galaxies of fatuous posturing have flooded the cultural mesa for as many years as I can remember. The initial stirrings of my own creative impulse were rooted in a patriarchal legend that was seasoned with classist nostalgia and marinated in an embarrassing naivete. Luckily, my misguided optimism was rewarded with ridicule, And it is in that very ridicule where I finally found the subject of all my subsequent work. It took two decades for me to realize that futility was a benediction as well as a virtue. Now that I'm free from all conventional constraint, my work has become a mercurial mosh pit of the eternal whatever. I now do whatever the heck I want. My latest project, entitled The Blood of the Lamb, is a deliberately Baroque, heavy-handed, multimedia critique of contemporary Christianity as reflected in the eyes of a young, impressionable girl.
0: Wow. Wow, that's... Wow. That's really, wow, wow, that's, does she actually get grants with that? No, that's pretty good. That's very unique, very, very unusual. We're, we're gonna have to look a little closer at this Brema dell'Antica. She sounds very interesting, really. Maybe we, maybe we can have her on the podcast. Maybe she could offer some, some career advice to our younger listeners. Well, well, uh, Brema and everybody else, the art world, like I said before, is roaring back. And it's filled with a treasure trove of tiny opportunities. And, 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 and if you have even a molecule, a, a scintilla, a scrap of ambition, it pays to keep up. It pays to keep up on all the new trends, all the, all the new trends, all the, all the retreaded trends, all the diluted trends and the distracted trends, e- e- even, the, even the good and original trends. You have to follow. You have to follow very closely. You have to follow very, very closely, and you have to consider very, very carefully the lives of contemporary artists.